What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. This episode, I got to speak with the wonderfully calm and inspiring yogi, author and wellness guru, Michael James Wong. I loved this episode so much. For those unfamiliar with Michael's work, he's a man truly on a mission to break down barriers, smash stereotypes, and bring the global wellness community together in a calmer and quieter conversation. He is the founder and visionary behind Just Breathe, the first modern meditation community in London where people of like mind come together to breathe. He is also the mastermind behind the Boys of Yoga community, a global movement helping to encourage more guys to the yoga mat. Love that. Michael is a lifestyle advocate, community leader, international yoga teacher, meditation guide, acclaimed speaker, and most recently, author of the book, Sit Down, Be Quiet which aims to inspire more men to the yoga mat and bring about a more mindful way of living. Michael is recognized around the world as a leading voice for modern mindfulness and is focused on creating community, connection and quiet in the real world. And I'm so grateful to have been able to speak with him in this inspiring episode, where you will discover the importance of community, finding a sense of belonging and being a part of something that connects you with other like-minded humans that yoga is for everyone, and how to overcome that fear of the unknown when it comes to trying something new. The benefits of creating more mindful moments in our days so we can step away from the noise and turn the volume down on our lives. The power of feeling and expressing gratitude as well as being kinder and supporting each other. How to understand the value in doing less and how to focus on just one thing at a time. The benefits of slowing down and taking time for your overall well-being. And so much more. Michael is such an inspiration and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. So let's get right into it. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to be speaking with you today. And we have already established that we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. And I cannot wait to talk all things yoga, mindfulness, and how you're breaking down stereotypes in the world of wellness. So before we dig into your story and everything that you're doing... I would love to know if you as a child had a dream. So I'd love you to think about your childhood for a moment. Did you have a dream or something that you wanted to do or become as a child? Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I always remember growing up wanting to be kind of in the kitchen, like being a chef. Yeah. I come from a family where everyone cooks. My mom is arguably still the world's greatest cook or world's greatest unknown chef. And, um, you know, we were always kind of brought in, brought up kind of sharing meals together and preparing meals together and spending lots of time together. And I think for me, what was really nice about it is that that was my kind of kind of introduction to the world of working together. Yeah. You know, especially when you're, you know, I'm a middle child with an older brother and a younger sister. So by nature, working together was a bit difficult when you're a kid. Yeah. But I always remember those times in the kitchen where, you know, I really had these moments of just learning learning and working together and being able to kind of create something that was sometimes by recipe, sometimes by design, or sometimes by luck, 
And it always had a really beautiful and positive kind of experience that we all got to sit down to the table and enjoy. And so I remember always as a kid wanting to kind of do that all the time. And, you know, I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to, you know, grow up and do cooking school and start a restaurant and have those moments where we can have time together and really just kind of enjoy meals and, and enjoy conversations. Yeah. And so that was um, kind of what I grew up always wanting to do. And, you know, things sidetracked me along the way. But, um, you know, I very much still believe there's still big parts of what I do that has that sense of bringing people together. Yeah, absolutely. So you're the founder and vision behind Just Breathe, Voice of Yoga and Sunday School Yoga, all incredible global projects focused on creating community connection and quiet in the real world. So very much living the dream, but in a different way. Not only that, but you are a leading voice in the global wellness movement, as well as a lifestyle advocate, community leader, international yoga teacher, meditation guide, speaker, and now author, with a passion to inspire the masses about the benefits of a mindful way of living every single day, which all is amazing. Can you give us a little bit of a background on yourself and what led you to where you are today? Was there a defining moment that led you down to this path? Yeah, I think... I mean, with the, I mean, that, that long list of things you just read, I mean, it's very complimentary. But I guess the, the essence of all, all of the work I do now is about building community. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I was very lucky to be a part of something growing up, whether it was family or sports teams or community clubs. And it was really important for me to make sure that, you know, that was continuing on in my life. And, you know, in the past kind of uh, 20 years or so, I was lucky enough to be introduced to yoga and the benefits of meditation and mindfulness. And it really broadened my perspective on how valuable it could be in the real world. And, you know, starting these projects and putting these kind of um, communities together was about giving people access to things that maybe were slightly different to what they expected or ways in which they might have seen stereotype against it or just ways in which people felt like they could belong. You know, the, the big project now we focus on, which is Just Breathe, it's this beautiful community which is all about creating connections, real world human connections, where people can see what it's like to be really mindful in the company of others in ways that they're really familiar with, whether it's kind of, you know, through live music, whether it's through poetry, whether it's through coming together at a big museum, whether it's sitting down in a mass meditation, it's really just people feeling like they belong in a place together and can have those really beautiful and special experiences. Yeah. So I think you are American. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was born in New Zealand and I grew up in Los Angeles. So right. I can, I've got two passports so I can, I can yeah. claim both. Good, good. Well, good to have you on that side of the world sometimes. So when did you actually discover yoga and what was it that made you decide to become a teacher and share share that knowledge with the world? I mean, I first was introduced to yoga around the early 2000s when I was living in, in Los Angeles growing up there. Yep. And um, I had a very fast-paced style of life, probably a lot different than, than it is now and probably thought I was a lot cooler than I was. And I just all things kind of very much ego-driven by nature of growing up in Los Angeles. And I was um, dragged or invited, however you want to call it, to yeah. a, a yoga class around when I was kind of 18 or 19 by a few friends. And I went very reluctantly thinking it was just something to do to make everyone kind of, you know, get along for the day. And it was a very eye-opening experience because it was a moment where everything was different than what I expected. You know, it had nothing to do with what I could achieve. It was this kind of beautiful moment where I felt a lot more than I than I needed to think. And yeah. I remember from the even that first time, and it was a strong kind of, kind of really strong, one of those strong power yoga classes yeah. where it took all my excuses away and physically I was able to work through different postures and and kind of feel different places my body had never done or sweat from places that I never sweated and but at the same time I had this really serene sense of kind of being in the right place and not needing to to think about anything else and it was a funny story because it was one of those kind of intro passes that you go to a class and they're like well sign up for two weeks and come every day and yeah. you kind of go I'm sure. Thank you, but no thank you. I'm just here with my friends. And I do remember kind of going straight back and going, you know what? I think I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah. And actually what I ended up doing was going back later that afternoon by myself. And it was one of these things that for me, it just gave me this sense of feeling that required nothing other than me just enjoying myself. And that really was hugely eye-opening because in that time in my life, I'd never experienced the joy of just being. Yeah. 
Which is a beautiful thing because I think a lot of us need that right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so much so. Yeah. So I'd love to know how the, the Boys of Yoga community came about. And for anyone who doesn't know what it is, can you share a little bit about the purpose of it and how our listeners can get involved? So Boys of Yoga is a project that was started around 2014, 2015. And it was built off the back of my own journey yeah. kind of through the practice. As I said, I started... I started when I was in Los Angeles, and then I actually lived in Australia for, for about four years. And I was very lucky to have really amazing people in my yoga communities, men and women. But by, by nature, and we all know this, there was kind of a, a very kind of imbalanced focus towards uh, women instead of men. And not in a bad way, it's just that's the way it, the dynamic of the communities seemed to be. Yeah. Now, I was very lucky in the sense that in Los Angeles and in, in Sydney, it was slightly different than everywhere else in this world. There are actually, you know, more guys than you would kind of pre- expect in those classes. And, you know, being from Melbourne, you can go to classes and you can see these amazing communities like at Warrior One in Brighton, yeah. where you live. There's, you know, a really beautiful mix of men and women there. Yeah. And so for me, because I was a part of this global community and I um, was able to travel a lot by nature of teaching and, and different things I was a part of, I wanted to share those stories. And I had a lot of friends within my life who were far more creative than I was and helped me kind of put it together in a way that we could share it. And it was how do we take a familiar aspect of community or a familiar aspect with lifestyle? So how do we encourage men into the practice? So give them, give it in a way where they can, where it makes sense, where it's lifestyle approach, where it's about real world, it's about their stories, it's about showing that also the guys that practice yoga are also DJs, professional athletes, they're also dads, they're people who are everyday guys. And it was about putting their stories in the same place so it became a movement so people could really start to see that there was this momentum behind it. And um, back when we launched the project, it was, uh, you know, we first started with six stories of guys in London. And now there's over, uh, I want to say 150, 200 guys who have shared their stories. And there's photos and videos and classes and just a lot of humor uh, and a lot of personality involved in it, which is really continuing to shatter those stereotypes of, of, of what yoga is or who yoga is for. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it because what is it about guys? Because I often, because I'm, I love yoga and I, you know, I, as I said before the recording, I just ordered your book for a few of my male friends because I sometimes think, and this is not just for male, this is just males, so I think it's, it's equally the same for women, but so many people that I tend to meet that don't do yoga think that I have to be so good at yoga before they're starting. So what kind of advice would you give to those people who are thinking, Thinking that they have to be and I think this comes from that you know if it's male or female I don't think it really matters it's those a type personalities yeah. and you know who, who might be very competitive or you know want to be good at everything that they do in life yeah I mean there's the old adage of that we hear all the time that people say I can't go to yoga because I'm not flexible enough yeah. right or I can't go to yoga because it, it doesn't feel good for me yet and it's that really understanding and the analogy always goes and we kind of we always say this in a way that hopefully connects is that, you know, saying that you can't go to yoga because you're not flexible enough is like saying I can't have dinner because I'm too hungry yeah. right? or I can't take a shower because I'm too dirty. It's that kind of disconnect with the understanding that actually the practice of yoga is there to actually, yes, will help your flexibility, but more importantly, will help the flexibility of what you think this practice is all about. Yeah. Right. And especially with those A type of people, you know, it is tricky because it and I to be one of those people kind of growing up. Me it's, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, no one likes to start anything new where they think they're going to start from the bottom. Mm. And with that, it often puts up all these roadblocks where they come up with excuses more than they're just willing to start. Mm. And uh, a lot of times we stop ourselves from so many things before we even start purely because we allow our mind or our thoughts to uh, take the forefront of kind of the situation as opposed to just experiencing it and seeing especially with like boys of yoga a lot of times with that project when people when guys would always come up or actually when when girls would come up and go oh, my, my boyfriend or my dad and my brother won't come to yoga i'll say okay well have a chat with them and say you know what they're going to come with up with lots of excuses say come to class and then let's talk about it after take the excuse away and it's very likely whatever they think the practice is or the class is going to be like 
afterwards, it's going to be different. Yeah, that's a good one. One of the things that I often say on this podcast, might be some repetition here for anyone who's listening often, but there is a really good quote for anything um, that you want to uh, start doing is you don't have to be great to start, but you actually have to start to be great. And I think that's a very suitable quote for, for what we just spoke about. Absolutely. Yeah. What we always say in Just Breathe in our community is the best way to start is to stop and stop complaining, stop talking about it, stop predicting it, stop waiting, just stop and then start. Yeah, love that. Thank you for sharing that. So I know you are hugely passionate about creating a world of calm in our chaotic modern lives, which you do through your incredible Just Breathe events and teachings. But in our increasingly busy and tech-driven world, this can be difficult. Do you have any key tips for our listeners on how they can invite more calm into their life and perhaps disconnect or reconnect in their busy lives or in their busy days? We live in this, this very modern world where everyone is a busy person, yeah. right? Very few people are, are going to deem themselves as not busy people, yeah. right? You know, you're a busy person, I'm a busy person, or we think we are, yeah. right? Even in that sense, the first time you, or, you, know, you run into any friend and no matter what the question is, and they say, how are you doing? You're going to say, I'm good, I'm busy. Yeah. It just falls out of your mouth, yeah. right? And the reality is, is that we are somehow conditioned to believing that being busy is the way it's meant to be. Mm. With Just Breathe, our approach with everything is understanding the way in which we can create mindful moments or moments where we can step away from that noise. And oftentimes it's driven by actually stopping and appreciating where you are. A sense of gratitude, appreciation, uh, a sense of awareness, right? Whether that's just simply having a chat with a friend, going for a walk with your dog. It's actually just realizing that you can only do one thing at a time, right? But yet so often we believe we have to do so many things in order to achieve anything. And, you know, really what it comes down to is cultivating the moments in which we can appreciate one thing at a time, with a very clear presence, but actually with a sense of appreciation and to celebrate the fact that actually you are doing a single-minded thing well. I love that. I try to, and I don't know if I did when I met you <laughs> earlier, but um, I try ne- never to, use, I should never say never because I do sometimes slip, but I try not to use the word busy because I feel that creates busyness in our body. So I try to always say that I have full days versus yeah. busy days because it's when it's full, it's my choice to kind of fill the days and the other thing that I love that you talked about was gratitude because I I almost every single morning when I come downstairs I always say lucky me lucky first to be alive and for all the things that I get to do and even more so now when I've started doing podcasts it's been so incredibly amazing to meet people like you and all the guests that I've had so far it's been so amazing so and I'm learning every single time and taking notes it's amazing good yeah no, it is so nice and, and actually to what you just said what I mean one of the most powerful things with gratitude and appreciation uh, having it for ourselves and having it for each other is or having it for a moment is such a powerful thing but actually right now I find that these days we're not actually saying it out loud enough mm-hmm. to actually celebrate that that sense of gratitude in a moment whether it's saying Christina, good job. I, you know, I made my own breakfast this morning or good job, Michael. I actually went for that 5k run or, or saying it to yourself or to someone else because it's that human connection that actually makes it so much more powerful. You know, we all know what it, what it's like when someone says something appreciative to us. It actually makes us feel warm and fuzzy. It makes us feel like we have a connection with that person and it makes you, you know, actually uplifts us. And I, I think we're now in a time where we need to express that connection of gratitude and we actually need to support others and let others support us because we are through the phase of appreciation, gratitude, and knowing that it's it's helpful and valuable for our lives, now we need to, in many ways, work together so we can support each other and use gratitude and kindness as a way to uplift uh, everyone. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I have a little practice where I, um, because I travel so much and there's a bit of spare time in between, I often have my greeting cards with me because obviously we do beautiful cards at KKK and I always have a pack with me. And when I do, specifically if I do thank you cards or even if I don't do thank you cards, it's always you know, possibility to say thank you to someone. It makes me feel great because I actually take the time to do it. And then it feels great for the person because that person, you know, now it's easy to send a text and um, then it, write it literally is amazing. And it's a really funny story because even before we were connected up a few weeks ago, I was just flying back from Australia and I had this very long layover uh, in the Sydney airport. And we're walking through the airport and there was this big Kiki K 
stand, your kiosk. And, you know, it was filled with all these amazing uh, pieces. And it was kind of those gratitude cards and little sticky notes that you could kind of leave on the side of the bed, you know, for someone special or just a note to say thank you. And I actually, and I mean, I say this very, you know, very coincidentally and very wonderfully. It's like I have a stack literally next to my bed right now. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. Thank you. And, you know, I didn't know that. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Let's talk about your amazing book now, Sit Down and Be Quiet, which I think is such a beautiful title because you kind of just want to do that. So the book that aims to inspire more men to the yoga mat and bring about a mindful way of living. Why do you think men in particular needs a little bit more guidance in this area? I think with men, there's a, a culture of understanding that we have a tendency to have to be a provider or we have to be a doer or we have to be a hunter. We have to have this sense of achievement through effort. And I think what's valuable, whether it's through the practice of yoga or meditation or it's just through everyday kind of things that we do, realizing that there's so much value when we do less. And there's a lot of times there's value when we talk less. There's a lot of value when we don't need to, to achieve so much. And we can actually appreciate, you know, all of those times in between where we can actually just be in a moment. Yeah. And, you know, with this book, Sit Down, Be Quiet, you know, a, a gentle but firm affirmation to remind you of the value is something that I believe we all need a bit of reminding of in our, in our busy lives, men and women. Yeah. And, you know, it was using the vehicle of boys of yoga and of meditation and of, of, of that conversation to really put it in a common conversation that helped people turn the volume down a bit more. Yeah, love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, I think it's going to be so valuable for our listeners because this is um, a really needed conversation. So do you have any tips for people struggling to balance time for mindful practice with the fast pace of their lives? Yeah, there is that thing. And it is, again, that that irony in the sense that I'm too busy, I can't meditate. Right? I've got too much on, I can't slow down. We, I often talk about it in the idea that, you know, we have to understand where the where the relevant value is, right? So much of our lives are dictated by the most valuable commodity that we have, our time, yeah. right? And we always, you know, we always kind of put the... The, these the equations in our mind of what is the return of the investment on me spending this time, right? So we sleep because we need that time to help fuel us to, to be more active. We spend time at the office because putting in that time means I then get paid and I can pay rent, whatever these things are. Yeah. And we often forget that actually the, there is an equitable amount of time for our overall well-being when we're actually not doing and we're actually allowing the body, the mind to calm into a state of just being itself or being at ease. And if we think that meditation, mindfulness, these yoga practices, they're really helping both ease the body and put the body in its best working state and actually quiet the mind so it has the ability to make the most decisive decisions necessary or it gives you the most clarity, right? It really shows us that actually we can't afford to not do them, right? Is that if our mind is a part of every conver- every decision we're making, if our body is a part of the function of every action that we're taking or place that we're going, if practices like these, these mindful practices, are helping you use those and uh, have them function and be at their optimum kind of capacity for your life, then that time spending on a yoga mat or in a meditation is indispensable or should be. Yeah, it's like that sharpening the saw before you're cutting down a tree. Yeah, absolutely. I love the title of the book, Sit Down and Be Quiet. What inspired the title? What inspired the title? I think when I was writing that book, it was trying to convey a message that I believed was necessary in a way that was firm, but also in a way that was a simple affirmation or a simple statement or a manifesto that was no nonsense but very self-explanatory but it also almost became its own kind of rally cry that uh, men and women could very easily relate to and understand again it took the excuses away of going what are you actually talking about yeah 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 absolutely so on the back cover of your book it says sit down be quiet is a rallying call for men to step in and take control of their health and mental well-being, which I just love. Can you explain how the book Dust is and what listeners can expect from the book? Because obviously we want to inspire anyone who's listening to buy your book. 
Absolutely. I mean, this book really is two part. It's what I believe is inspiration, right? So there's lots of personal stories in there from I think about fifty or sixty different guys around the world where the yoga community and practice is alive, and not just places like Australia or in Los Angeles, London, but places as far as Iceland and you know the Middle East and you know places all over Europe. And it has this beautiful understanding that we can inspire people by showing that. It exists in lots of different communities. That's a big part of the book. The other part is practice or education or or practical information that can actually help start you on that journey of stepping into a yoga practice. Because there's nothing like that feeling of the first time where you walk into anything and you just feel like you don't know anything. Yeah. And even that feeling of you know what stops a lot of people is not the actual practice. It's the fact of walking into a room and feeling like you don't belong. So this book is great because it breaks down a lot of the basic poses. It helps you understand a lot of the basic sequences you might find in a in a, in a traditional type of Western yoga class.、Yeah. It gives you background information on even basic things on what to wear, what to bring, what things might be said, and it does it in a very light-hearted way. And it's a way that becomes conversational, as if hopefully, you know, I'm going with you to class, or we've had a chat before. You've called me up and said, "Hey, Michael, I'm thinking about this yoga thing. What's going to happen?" Right? And my response through the book is very much my own journey. You know, all those phone calls I've made the first time, or you know, the questions that I asked, or just the moments that were really strange and awkward when I went to class those first few times, feeling like you've kind of, you know, just stepped into outer space or a women's, you know, gym room. And it just has that feeling of actually, how can we support Support、uh, guys as they embark on this practice in a way that makes them feel like they belong straight away. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't know if I read this somewhere or if I this is my impression, but it feels like most yoga books that I've seen is for for more for the woman or for women, I should say. With my Swedish English, yeah, <laughs> but、um, so it's really good to have something that is is really focusing on guys, which I know that anyone can read it, but、um, really good to encourage. Guys, to do more yoga, I think, and that's very much what it was. It's making everyone feel like they belong,、yeah. and it's giving people anything and everything that will help them really realize and connect to the power of, of yoga and、yeah. the community that goes with it. Yeah, lovely. So, have you seen a shift in men over the years? Are there more men adopting this healthier lifestyle, or or not? Do you think? Oh, hugely.、Yeah. I mean. Already in in the past kind of you know eighteen months or or twenty four months, there's been a huge lift of men coming to the practice because there's a general mindset of well being that's kind of taking over the world in a really great way. There's there's a perspective shift of people realizing that their own health. Often is more important than their wealth.、Yeah. Their well-being has huge benefits to their overall livelihood, and because of that, you know, yoga has been that first point of reference for a lot of people, especially guys, to say, actually, this is both good for body and mind. It's good for stress and anxiety. It's good for tension in the body. It's good for actually realizing that there's times where. We need to be a bit more effortless than effortful, and so in that, you know, where you've got amazing communities like in Sydney and Melbourne, or in LA or Vancouver, that have kind of had these shifts and waves start five, ten years ago. You know, it's great to see even those places and all these other places around the world realizing that there is a huge value in the practice, and because of it, and because of places like that, or. Mainstream voices, or or athletes, or Olympians, or you know, just your you know your friend's brother next door. People are stepping into the practice and getting the benefits, and it now becomes a personal connection of how great this is. So more and more people are stepping in because they want to see how it works for their lives. Yeah. Love that, and you lived in so many different places in the world. Who do you think is? It is an interesting question because I, I, wherever I go, I always feel like, are you, you, you know, you live in Australia, that they're so advanced, and then if because I also live in Sweden, they, oh, they're so advanced, and then everyone says, well, LA is so advanced, and UK is so advanced, or London. So who is the leading yoga community? Who has the leading community community yoga if there is such thing? I don't really believe that there is a leading community or even a, an advanced practice. I mean, what's Amazing about how the community has evolved over the past few years is that it's actually brought it closer together,、yeah. and that very much. I mean, even in our chat five months before we started, we know the same yoga community from Melbourne, and I go to places in Sweden that you were born or nearby. And what's nice about it is that. 
I always say that the yoga community is built on nice people who want to connect and you feel like you're at home the moment you step into a yoga studio anywhere in the world. Yeah. And any and every city or country that has yoga studios, yoga classes, people kind of connecting around the practice, you will find that it brings the world of yoga together in a way that people feel like they belong to communities and are around like-minded people. You know, there's there's places in the world that have a stronger communities by population, but it doesn't make it them any more advanced because, you know, as we all know that this yoga practice is far more than what we do on a yoga mat. Yeah. It's that sense of this practice is something that expands who we are as individuals, as humans, and helps us really uh, appreciate all that we have in our lives and all opportunities that we have. Yeah, and I think that you know, being traveling, I do love go to yoga studio wherever I am in the world because it really does make you feel belong to that place. And uh, I never really seen it that way, but it's really good to kind of be reminded of that. And uh, it's um, and often I find it so inspiring to meet so many different people um, because obviously the yoga community is so. They all, everyone is different. It's not like one yoga person and you're a yogi. It's like whatever they do outside of that mat is all different. And it, that's what makes it so exciting. Mm, it's great. I mean, literally in the in the last month alone, I mean, we've probably clocked the same amount of air miles. I, I've been in Australia, I've been in California, I've been in Amsterdam, I'm now back here in London. And it, while it's completely different cities, different cultures, the yoga community is the same. And I always say to kind of all of my students and all of my friends, if you want to get to know a city, start at your local yoga studio when you arrive. From there, you'll meet the people that make the, the city. Yeah, love that. That's a really good way that I love visiting different yoga studios. So tell me a little bit about you now in terms of um, how you spend your days. You're traveling a lot. You've been into all these cities in the last few months. So is that uh, teaching yoga or doing talks? Or because I know that we did the same event, we did the same. You did a talk where I was doing a yeah, talk, yeah. but I, I unfortunately missed you. But tell us a little bit about what how you spend your days. Yeah, I mean, I spend most of my days now in what I could call in the wellness community, really advocating for community. I'm always a teacher first, and I've been teaching yoga and these practices for the better part of the last 12 years. Yeah. Uh, I've been a part of the community for the better part of the last 20 years. And then this was by, by nature of growing up in Los Angeles where those communities flourished a bit earlier. Yeah. I'm very lucky to be invited into lots of different communities around the world where it's there to teach or it's there to train people to become teachers, yeah. to give talks around topics of, of yoga or meditation or lifestyle wellness. And now a huge amount with Just Breathe, which our community is expanding and showing how there's all these practices that have huge relevancy in the real world and every day. Uh, and so my schedule is always going to be different, but the conversation is going to be very much the same. And I really enjoy the time that's split between working with very dedicated students who are learning and people who are really diving deeper into these practices, but also in conversations, communities where it's new or it's different, or we're shaking shaking the tree a bit to to see you know how we can actually bring people's attention more into this these practices in the real world and show how that supports not just what they do but you know how their lives uh, maybe can be more supportive or just ways that they can see how already you know, see things in their lives that are already so mindful whether it's through music or dance or sports and curating moments and experiences that bring to the bring that to life aside from that you know mixed in with you know uh, writing and, and working on uh, a few new ideas and projects you know it's really about you know I'm very lucky in that I can live my life and explore all the different ideas we have about bringing this world closer together and, and helping people feel like they belong. You mm, do that beautifully. So I read somewhere that you have said that you have always been focusing on someone else's plans or visions, and that's never as exciting as pursuing your own, and that you now intend to chase your own goals and set your own creative visions. I am so passionate about prioritizing your life, your goals, and dreams, and truly believe that if you don't make time for your own life, you'll end up wasting your time on other people's goals and dreams. And I couldn't agree more with that. What are some of the goals that you are focusing on now? And how do you ensure you're making these a priority in your life? When I was growing up, I was always a part of a system that said, go to school, get a good job, be successful in that job. And that is what success is. Yeah. And I think that's probably uh, fairly common for, let's say, most Western parts yes. of the world. And 
success is driven by your ability to climb a ladder, right, or uh, work through that that system. And I was I kind of you know coming growing up uh, you know after graduating college, I, I very much did that. I worked in all kinds of things, and I worked through a corporate ladder system. And it was one of those things you're always you know, working on someone else's bigger vision or you're bringing to life someone else's dream or you're working with a system that someone else created. And I remember reading back then or I was reading or it was, might have been like a, uh, an event or kind of like a conversation with someone. But I remember hearing the, this, this guy talk and he was saying, you know, I, he, was, he was talking about kind of how he retired early and was hugely successful in, in the work he did. And it was, it was about the idea that, you know, he believed that retiring early wasn't about kind of retiring and doing nothing. Retiring early is the moment you can start working on the things you want to work on. Yeah. Right. And so in effect, I remember back then, I think I might have been 20 or 22 at the time. And it was kind of, you know, you know, I want to retire early. I want to retire when I'm 35 or whatever it is. And it was, I don't want to stop working by any means is I want to start, I want to have the freedom to work on the things that I'm passionate about, yeah. that I, that are meaningful to me, things that I know I'm capable of, but you know, how do you do that? Yeah. And you know, I was, I was lucky in the sense where I worked through a kind of a corporate system and had a good job, quote unquote, and all that type of things, but I was never doing the things I wanted to do. I was always working and then going to teach a yoga class or working and putting the other project on the side or working and going volunteering at a, at a shelter and all these things that were really more interesting than kind of marketing someone's brand or helping putting on an event or these types of things. Yeah. And it was, you know, about four or five years ago for me when it was that moment where it was, you know what, it's time to stop working for someone else and actually bring to life things that I'm passionate about. And in effect, I worked harder, which I'm sure you know better than anyone else, that when you're working on your passions yeah. and things that are, are inspiring for you, you work twice as hard. You do all the things that no one else would do because it's meaningful. And with that, you take people along, along on that journey with you and you inspire people not only to create, but also to take control of the things that are important for them and activate their own inspirations. You know, when, since we started Just Breathe about two or three years ago, it's very much about taking people on the journey to bring this project to life, not in a way where it's just my vision, but what things inspire them and then go do that. You know, we work with, you know, everything from charitable projects where, you know, one of the team had an idea about how we actually can bring it to life by putting on an event that raises enough money that allows us to buy 500 presents for the homeless, but then not just donate the money, but then wrap the presents, write the cards, go to the shelter. And it was that idea that allowed someone else's vision to go, how can we bring that to life through this kind of project medium? And, you know, for me, you know, I will say is that, yeah, I can say hand on heart, I retired early, but I'm because I'm able to work on the things that inspire me. Yeah, and I think that's so important, and and that's why I wrote the book because I really truly believe that if everyone did what they dreams are, you know, working or you know, sometimes you, sometimes it's hard to to get to your dreams straight away, but you can start your little side projects, exactly what you did, really doing, you know, teaching yoga on the side before you kind of work it up. But I, I do believe that if you do what you love and. Um, I think that's the only way if you want to live your dream life and uh, be passionate about it. And when you're passionate about it, like I, I work a lot, but I love it. And um, and everything that I do, not always, because there's some things of your, you know, some aspect of your role sometimes, especially in the beginning before you have a team, where you have to do some things that is not as fun. But um, overall, if you really do something that you love, I think that is the dream life. And a dream life is never a perfect life. It's always challenges and new things. And if you want to do create your dream life and do big dreams, then, um, then um, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be challenging, but that's kind of exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your approach to prioritizing your time? Because I know that you travel a lot and I do that as well, which makes it a bit challenging. So I'd love for our listeners to understand how you're prioritizing your time and making sure that you do what is right for you. 
Yeah, I abide by a very simple belief that you must do one thing at a time, not everything all at once. Yeah. And we, I know me, can fall into very easy habits and patterns. Going, I've got this to do, and that thing to do, and that book to write, and that event to happen, and that meeting, and then I got to get on that plane, and then I got to go to that yoga class, and I got to sit down and meditate. And you have all these kind of, you know, it's like having twenty-five tabs open on your browser. Yeah. And you effectively never do anything. When we take time to just do one thing at a time, all you're really doing is allowing your attention and focus to go on 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 achieving one thing or finishing one thing. And when you put that presence into even the simplest thing, I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm not going to brush my teeth and check an email, right? You actually get things done a lot more efficiently. Things actually. Uh, are better because you don't have to go back and redo them. You go. I'm, it's now actually time to sleep, or now is actually time to have fun, or now is actually time to sit down, turn my phone off, and do some work. You know, I, I'm I'm very much an advocate of you know when it's time to work, do your work. When it's not time, take the time off. When you know I, because of how much I, I travel now and how much I teach, you know there is a an easy easy way to fall into. The multitude of tasks, and so by allowing yourself kind of very dedicated time to go, this is my time for this, and everything else, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it will be. If it's more important than this, it will make itself known. But the reality is, most things that we put in the urgent and important category aren't really. And so, work with things that you're passionate about. Do the things one at a time, and I find that actually, you know. The days are, are far more enjoyable.、Mm. You know, there's a quote that often comes up on this podcast, which is like, "You can do anything in life, but not everything at the same time." And I, I am very much like that because I think、um, otherwise, you just if you have too many things, that just you do a lot of things but nothing properly. So yeah, and everything has its time because I think a lot of our, our listeners are you know mums and and、yeah. um, or parents, and、um, I think sometimes because of this. World, there's so much potential and so much we can do now on global scale, which、yeah. is so exciting. But but sometimes you just have to kind of focus on one thing at a time. And、um, I always get the questions how I did it when I had young kids. But I was really focusing on on not doing too many things、um, during that those years. So、uh, um, just a little bit of a tip for anyone who have young kids who wants to take on the world. There is a time that will come when that's happening. What could be happening? So I love to.、Um, Just ask you to share with the listeners what kind of tips would you give for someone who is kind of thinking, I want to reset my life. I want to start living what's true to me, but also a really healthy life. What would you say? When people kind of are in that that place or that phase where they're kind of really thinking about kind of how do I live my life to the fullest? How do I have that dream life? For me, it, it's really about celebrating community and not opportunity. And I think so. Oftentimes, we can get distracted by my dream life is owning this thing, or running this thing, or achieving this thing. You know, amidst kind of the 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 guise of stepping away from what they're already doing. I actually believe that those who are living their dream lives are the people who are actually living and doing the things they're passionate about. And usually, those things they're passionate about involve other people who are just as passionate about those things.、Yeah. You know, whether it's Starting your own stationery design company—it's because you loved doing that. You, you loved doing that at the time, and you found other people who wanted to talk about it as much as you wanted to talk about it. People who wanted to geek out on on that shade of yellow versus that shade of blue, and that really lit you up and made you excited.、Yeah. And you found your community within that, and that actually you know excited you and inspired you to create what you've created. If you love horses, if you love surfing, if you love cooking, you know go deep into that and find the community that inspires you and. From that will be something that actually creates a life that you're really inspired by,、mm-hmm. and through that, you know, you'll be hugely sustainable, successful. You know, it's rewriting those definitions on, on what success is in in your life when it's something that you're passionate about, and you know, if if it's something that you know you wake up and you're happy to do every day, then it's fairly likely you're pretty much you're a lot closer to your dream life. Than waking up just with a big bank account or a lot of employees or a bunch of you know shops on the on, on the high street. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's just tell us a little bit about your healthy habits. What can we learn from you that we all should start doing? So yoga will be obviously the obvious yoga, answer, but I'm sure there's more. Yoga is definitely on that list. 
Call your mother is definitely on that list. Yeah. But I'm a big believer of spending time with people who make you better, spending time with people who support you,、yeah. and spending time giving back. Do you spend a lot of time supporting different charities or projects or in service of others? Because it's in it's in that service that we 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 gain a huge amount of perspective and appreciation for our lives. Yeah. You know, I have my normal daily habits or not habits, normal daily routines like everyone else would. You know, morning meditations.、Uh, we actually have a an app. For just breathe now, which is just a daily meditation app, which、oh, you can just click it, and for twenty minutes, it has some beautiful music and a guided meditation. You know, use that every morning at the same time as you know, spend some time off the computer, off the phone, spend some time, you know, just you know, actually doing things that I enjoy, but not in kind of that kind of do things you enjoy, but actually going. I really enjoy. Going to class, I'll do that. Or I'll really enjoy sitting down and reading a book, and I'll do that. And I'll have those things in my day, which I believe are are non-negotiable. And then putting those in the routine, as well as celebrating them, talking about them,、yeah. sharing them with others. And you'll and and I find for me that really sets me on a course to have really positive days and days where I actually appreciate the time that I have. Yeah. Love that. Thanks for sharing. So you mentioned that you every year take something out of your life, like a habit or something. Tell us about that because that's something I do. So I love Robin Sharma's work. I don't know if you come across Robin Sharma. He's actually written a book called The Five AM Club, and I just had him on the podcast. But he said something that really. So I did coaching with him a few years ago, and it really resonated with me. And don't. And I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm quoting it the right way, but he was saying, "Don't live." The same life seventy-five times and call it a life. And the way I took it is like, let's make sure that your life is different. So I try every year to do something that is different. So it could be like that I'm adding a course or I'm removing something. So the last year I did a year no alcohol and I still haven't started that. But、uh, I'd love to hear what you're doing because this could be something really inspirational for our, our listeners. Yeah, I mean, for me, I always believe. I mean, I very much align with that idea. Is as that don't live your life the same. Every every day, but at the same time, don't don't be a, be a a victim of your habits that you don't even realize are habits. Every year, for about the last four or five years,、uh, I've taken something out of my daily routine or something out of that, out of a daily habit. So not like I'm gonna you know not drive a car for a day if I don't drive a car, but you know I'm not gonna eat meat. I'm not gonna drink coffee. I'm gonna go for exercise every single day. There's something that actually changes the way in which my every single day is affected. So right now it's you know I'm not I haven't been drinking coffee right and and I'm not and I and I love coffee and it was something that it was part of my everyday routine once twice three times a day depending on the day depending、yeah. on the flight you know to the point where you know I probably was drinking more coffee than water and not even realizing it.、Mm-hmm. And what's what I found by doing it for a year was it was something that changes everything, right? Remember, like in January, everyone go, I'm not gonna drink alcohol for a month. I'm not gonna、yeah. um, eat meat for a month. I'm not gonna whatever for、yeah. a month. And usually, you can get through a month, and by February first, all hell breaks loose again,、yeah. right? And you can kind of get through thirty days of just kind of staying away from things.、Yeah. You can't do that for a year. And what that actually does, it changes all of your social behaviors. It changes all of your habitual routines. It changes even the way that you talk to people. I actually can't and don't say anymore. Hey, do you want to go for a coffee? Because I don't. Right? <laughs> I, we can't have a、uh, meet you for a coffee for a meeting. The irony of all is, I I didn't even really like tea. Right? And, it, and so it's kind of well, I can't have breakfast, I can't have lunch, so I'll meet you for something, right? And so it actually, I had to reprogram the way in, in which I connect to people, and it was really enlightening and expensive to go. Actually, this one simple thing of drinking a cup of coffee or two every single day has now created these shackles around my social behaviors. Have created these ways in which I've been kind of a victim of my own unknown or unconscious. Uh, behaviors, and I found over the years of doing this is that it just expands and expands and expands the way in which you live your life. And it's also important that you, I don't keep them forever. 
because yeah. I do it for a year, stop it, and pick a new one. Because also, it's you know, it, we I don't want to be the person who doesn't drink coffee forever. It's it becomes something that actually teaches you something, and yeah. you learn from, it, and then you grow from that. And so, I mean, the coffee one is just winding down, and then you know, it's we'll be on to the next thing. Yeah. What are you thinking next one will be? Have you thought of that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I I was always playing with the the very kind of easy ones of don't drink alcohol and those type of things. I don't really drink alcohol anyway, so it's not a big deal. But even things like brush your teeth with the, with the right hand, yeah. or actually the one that's probably going to be is drink a two-liter bottle of water every single day. Now, seems easy, but the reality is that's going to change everything you do because you have to go to the bathroom more, you have to prepare more, you have to carry this thing around your bag more, all these things that all of a sudden, after a few months in, you realize, okay, I've got to change a few things around. Yeah. And by doing that, you know, I find year on year, all I do is, is gain more uh, knowledge or wisdom in the ways in which my life is, is best well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because it's something that I do and it's uh, very rare that I come across someone who actually do the same. So that was really good. And you have to be vigilant about it. There's no kind of, oh, I'll just have one on my birthday. No, or... no. And, you know, me being a real all or nothing personality, it kind of really suits me. Mm. But not everyone is like me and some people find it really challenging to understand this concept. That's why it's interesting to meet someone who's similar because mm. I get a lot of questions about and everyone thinks it's a problem with drinking or it's a, you know, what is it? And I'm like, no, sometimes it's just good to do yeah. things. And I, and I did um, I did six months. I didn't do That's a right. year. For, well, alcohol I'd done 18 months, but for one year I did six months to um, really work on my sleep. So I, I cut out like gluten and sugar and you know I cut out so many things that it was almost became boring because it was like you know I had to call ahead for the restaurants and can I just get a grilled fish with no salt and it was really boring but it was so good and that's when I realized that you know the habits that you have that you might not think is affecting you really I mean every all that we do are habits of you know one form or the other so it's really interesting to um, test it out and um, and And you learn so much absolutely life is a practice Right? Yeah. And we're not trying to achieve anything by it other than just continue to practice in ways in which we can learn more about yeah. ourselves and live from that place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I love that. So before we finish up, I'm going to ask you a few quick questions that I know our sure. listeners will love you to answer. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them thrive and live their dream life, what would you say? I think you covered a lot of that, but just you can rehash or you can come up yeah. with something new. Uh, don't overthink it and don't rush. You know, for some reason or not, these days we believe everything needs to happen straight away. And I think when we take the time to really, you know, appreciate the things we're passionate about, to learn about them, to educate ourselves and bound, to be inspired by them, they actually become things that are actually a part of our everyday lives. And with that time, with that patience, with that passion, then uh, I believe that you know the the dream life that you have will be something that is a part of every aspect of your life, not just kind of one thing that you want to be successful in. Great, thank you. I love morning routines, and I love to hear. So we already heard that you do meditation in the morning. But if you could say, like, you're perfect when there's no such a thing as so perfection, of course. But if you had your perfect morning, what would that look like? A perfect morning is waking up with with nothing to do. It's I'm a morning person, so quite by nature I'm I'm up early and there's something really nice about that time in the morning after you've done all the normal housekeeping of showers and feeding yourself and all of that when you kind of on those days where you still have another hour or so before anything's done, you don't need to be anywhere or actually, you know, nothing nothing needs to happen. And kind of that that really those moments of pause in the morning for me are really special and making sure that I continually build those in. And I mean, it's helpful when you have jet lag because you get those. Yes, I love it. Right, and it's great. I mean, this morning I was up at 3.30. Me too. <laughs> uh, because of the jet lag. Yeah. But, but what happens is that you have this time in the morning where the, the world is still or, you know, there's, there's no, not as much noise. And it's actually a really good real-world example of how life can be when the volume's turned down. Yeah. I could not agree more. I love mornings and especially extra when it's jet lag because it's much easier. But I do try to um, get up early and I love it so much that I um, 
rather go to bed early and then go get up early because there's something amazing about that quiet time and I I try to always see the sunrise in the city um, when I travel and I encourage my kids to do that when they travel with me as well because it's such a beautiful part of the day to see the sun goes up because then you really feel part of something bigger than yourself so thank you for sharing I often talk about early morning so there will be more inspiration now for our listeners I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a stationary product. Well, I mean, I always remember, I remember first seeing Kiki K when I was in Australia and this would have been, I'm going to say 10 years ago, yeah, could 10, be. 12 years yes. ago. And what was amazing and which I still remember is, you know, all those little, what you might call kind of the notes that can be used for anything. Right? Like quote cards. Yeah, and, and those yeah. type of things where yeah. actually it allowed you to use them in however you were inspired by. Yeah. And it reminded me again when I was in the Sydney airport where, I mean, it probably wasn't the exact same ones, but it had those things that actually they had this beautiful space that, you know, you could use. And, you know, I literally have that stack by my bed now where, you know, some days it's it's a note of gratitude. Some days it's, you know, things I need to pick up. And some days, you know, it's just, you know, little friendly reminders or, and, but what's nice about it, it, it has that feeling of warmth and kindness behind it, even though there's nothing there that needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. I actually even have a, a, a section in the book with some of my favorite quotes about dreaming, because I think when you read a quote, you just get reminded of what is important to you and different quotes mean different things to different people, but also at different times. So sometimes I have a quote and then like one year later, I'm like, oh, that's what it really means to me. Yeah. So yeah, and Amazing. I encourage people actually now, we have a dream life journal that goes with the book oh, to great. to actually write, listen, look at your quote and just say, what does that mean to you? And what can you do about that? Or if you want to do something. So thank you for sharing that. So tell me what's next for you. What's next for me? I'm back in town for a little bit. We have some yoga teacher trainings that I'm leading. But more with, with Just Breathe, we're now on a, on a very big, we're mission driven to, to create more mindfulness in the real world. We have some really uh, amazing events that are coming up. You know, off the back of last year where we did these thousand person mass meditations at the British Museum, at the Tate I Museum. Know that. Yeah. You know, we, we have, have set a bar of creating more and more moments within the UK and Europe, hopefully going further places like Australia and the US and how we can create those are, are going to be really exciting uh, uh, for us this year, as well as, you know, we've got our, our new podcast coming out soon. We've got content. We've, uh, I'm in the process of writing a new book right now. Wow. So there's quite a, a few different things all within that, all within this same conversation around bringing it more into the real world for people mm. and doing it in a way that, that connects. And um Hopefully, we will very soon see a bigger and a more impactful shift worldwide of people really stepping into this conversation uh, of how uh, meaningful it is in our lives when we're kinder, when we're more mindful, when we spend time together. Couldn't agree more. I um, Actually, when I started to see these you know, massive meditation gatherings in the museums, you know, like MoMA in New York and, and Tate here. And I I put that as my dream to do that. Um, so I now check when I, um, so I was in New York last week and I was sure. checking if there was something, but it wasn't anything at MoMA. But um, I have that now in on my list um, to check every time I go to a big city because it's a, such a beautiful way of experiencing something that is not just mindful, but it's also very beautiful, like community-wise, but also the environment in those places are uh, amazing and to be able to go to a place like that and actually be part of something like that is incredible. Well, actually, you're quite lucky as well. It's like we, in Melbourne, there's a there's a community down there called Still Space yep. and they actually start to create large scale moments like this down there. But next time you're back in London, let's connect and I'd love for you to come and join us and, and share some of your wisdom and uh, as words with everyone. Yeah, thank you. So before we finish up, I'd love you to share, if you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Life isn't about being good. Uh, Life is just about enjoying yourself. Mm. Beautiful one. And a great way of finishing up this 
super inspiring episode and um, I'm definitely going to take you up on uh, connecting with you next time because I would love to be part of those uh, amazing places and not just amazing places any place where you can connect and um, and meditate and um, and and I would love to of course you know I'm now putting on my dream list to attend a yoga class with you but I want to acknowledge you and really say a massive thank you first for taking your time because I know that you are um, you have full days <laughs> and for you to prioritize meeting with me uh, today in London is very much appreciated and also I want to encourage everyone who's listening to really look you up and since you're traveling so much and we are a global business I am encouraging everyone to find um, you wherever you are in the world at the time and to attend classes and and uh, meditation or whatever you're doing and uh, I'm going to um, obviously link to your book and uh, hoping that we will see much more men in our yoga classes but not just men obviously uh, men and women together and by that um, creating a better world so thank you so much thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure what a great chat that was i could talk with michael for hours i really admire the way he is smashing stereotypes on a mission to encourage everyone not just men to embrace yoga mindfulness and really take the time to focus on their overall well-being I'm as such a firm believer in taking the time to look after yourself, to focus on the things that matter most and scheduling time for self-care into your days. And I encourage everyone to grab a copy of Michael's book, Sit Down, Be Quiet, if you're interested in giving yoga a try. Something else that really resonated with me was the idea that by finding what you love, what inspires you and really focusing on that, you can move closer to living a life you love. Personally, my own journey is very aligned with this in terms of finding what I love and pursuing that as my career. And in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, you'll find chapters that are very close to my heart that will help you finding and following your passions and the power of purpose. If you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to do so as it is full of simple steps to help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. And also grab a copy of the Dream Life Journal I have created to go with it. Another great place to start is to check out my 101 Dreams audio guide at kiki-k.com forward slash dream life. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would really appreciate your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message to even more people by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams and maybe try some yoga. <laughs>